Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. True Hauntings is a Frightfully Good production. St. Helena Island is a small, isolated island in the middle of the South Atlantic, some 1,200 miles from the mainland of Africa. It has been British overseas territory for most of its history and so played an important role as a stopover on the trade routes to the southeast and also in the slave trade. St Helena is best known as a place of exile and the most important person ever to be banished here was Napoleon Bonaparte. He died on the island too. But there were other exiles as well even as late as the 1960s. So there's enough dark history to make the island a very interesting place when it comes to looking for haunted sites. Hi, I'm Anne. And I'm Renata. And we welcome you to this week's episode of The True Hauntings Podcast. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Welcome back to the studio, eh? Oh, thank you so much, Annie Nada. Ah, and how are you feeling oh. after your, your few days off in the snowy mountains? You're supposed to be restful. Yeah, yeah. Well, it actually was. And the dogs were brilliant companions, mm-hmm. way better than the husband and far less demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I took all my, my meals away with me and I cooked them all up and I ate like a queen, the mm-hmm. queen I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, the little cottage was up in the snowy mountains and uh, I got very excited when I saw the sign that said, beware Brumbies for the next 
next 12 kilometers. Mm-hmm. So I do love my horses. And yes, I know they're pests, but I do love them. And uh, yeah, the cottage was great. But uh, the first couple of days, beautiful sunshine, lovely weather. But then the weather changed and the wind began to howl. And even my dog was scared at the whistling and the moaning that was coming through the windows Ooh. and the doors. But I remembered my girl guide skills and I built myself a lovely fire inside the little uh, combustion wood burning stove that we had. And we snuggled up under dunas with the dog snuggling on top of me. And I read probably seven eighths of a book. Oh, The Familiars. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who wrote it, but uh, it's all about the Pendle witches. And it was really, really interesting. Almost got to finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I came home. And the bottom sort of fell out of the the planet Earth. And uh, my father, God bless him, he's still with us. Although I might kill him by the end of this. No, I won't. Uh, He was not very well and he'd been hiding it from everyone because I'd had people checking on him every day. He's 89. And um, yeah, he kept saying to me, when are you coming home? You're coming home Friday. And I kept saying, no, 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 coming home Saturday. And he'd ring me three or four times a day and ask this. And I thought, that's not like him. He's normally on the ball. Uh, But hubby said he was fine. The nurses were coming every day and checking on him. Turns out that his diverticulitis was back Mm -hmm. and he was having major issues. He hadn't eaten anything for four days. And I I got a phone call on the way home on Saturday when I still had four hours left to drive to say, we're taking your father to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, he refused. They'd called the ambulance and uh, he had a bit of a tanty and said, no, I'm not going. And they can't force him to go. The next day I'm home. I'm coming over to check on him and the because he has this lovely lady that comes in every day to check on him and she's calling me as I'm walking across the road going, he needs to go to hospital. He's worse today. So I've got over there. And he's having a full-blown tantrum. Absolutely. If he'd had a dummy, he could have spat it and laid down (laughs) on the floor on his back and kicked up his arms and his legs. And he was not going to hospital. And look, I get it. I think he's worried that if he goes to hospital, he may never come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the the truth of the matter is he needed to get the antibiotics into him to fix the situation. And he is 89. You can't go that many days without food and water. No. Uh, But... He flatly refused again. The ambulance came and they said, we can't force him. Mm. You don't have that bit of paper that says he's got dementia. And he doesn't at that stage. Um, The way he was talking, I don't know. But uh, anyway, we're getting that sorted. The next day, he kept saying, I'll I'll put it off to Monday. I'll put it off to Monday. I'll make the decision. So the next day was Monday came around. Got a phone call from the nurse yet again as I'm walking across the road and um, saying he needs to go. So I got there and I sat down and said, Dad, you told me yesterday you made the decision today. Are you any better? He went, no. <laughs> said, so we're going to hospital? Oh, I suppose I have to. <laughs> so we, we got him into hospital finally. But um, that was yesterday. And uh, that was eight hours sitting beside him in emergency, waiting for him to get a bed. So we are way behind on recording True Hauntings. Mm. And we weren't even sure if it was going to make it happen this week. But we had it all ready to go. Mm. So um, between me being away for a week and my father playing up on me, I just haven't been able to, to get it done. But we're here. We're doing it. And uh, I did have a lovely trip, and Renata apparently missed me. Yes. Oh, that was so enthusiastic. <laughs> wow, I feel so loved. But, well, yeah. it gave me a lot of time to think about things as well. So, yeah, obviously, the, um, the conversations I've, you've had with me since I've got here. Yes, yeah, so I've, I've, I've had some, I've, I've had some come to Jesus moments. So yeah, yeah. But that that will all 
pan out as time goes on. Let's get into this fabulous story about this place that is literally in the middle of nowhere. Before we get onto that, can I just, before we freak everyone out, it's good things that she's sort of come to Jesus about. Some good things are going to happen. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) maybe. She's going to have another baby. <laughs> yes, it, it would. It would be a um, yeah. There'd be another Archangel Michael moment for that to happen. <laughs> There's a lot of things that got to be reversed for that to happen. I'd, I'd be going, what the hell? <laughs> oh, I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> no. Anyway, we're we're too old for that shit. All right, let's get on to the show. There were many people who believed in the evil eye. In effect, they had a spell placed on them by a practitioner of the art. It was said that Dago Stevens, the local butcher, was a practitioner who would threaten to put the evil eye onto cattle if he did not get a good deal from the farmer who was providing meat to the butcher. There was plenty of meat at the time, as the flax mills were closing and the beasts of burden that dragged the carts and turned the mill wheels were being used as a source of meat as they were culled over time. When I carried out school medical examinations, there were a number of children with rabbit paws on necklaces around their neck. They readily acknowledged that it was to ward off the evil eye. Whilst I did not believe in the evil eye, I had to be aware that some patients did. This did lead me to difficulty once, as a man described very strange feelings in his arm, with mysterious crawling and tingling that moved around. He did believe in the evil eye, but I eventually recognised what he was describing as pins and needles, so was able to reassure him he was not under a spell. That was a very interesting soundscape here. Well, yeah, I sort of, you know, there was a lot of little stories that we found, but that one sort of just, I thought was a good way to uh, set the scene for the beautiful people that live on this island. Mm-hmm. They're very superstitious. Mm. It re- this place reminds me a little bit of Norfolk. It does. Yeah. I was going to say that to you as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but less accessible. Oh, <laughs> so less accessible. So less accessible. Um, but yes, I, as, as I was researching this, uh, there were a lot of times when I in my mind went back to Norfolk and, yeah, me and went, too. <laughs> mm, very, very interesting. And some of the history is is kind of just the same with the 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 horrible state of affairs and the type of people who were being left literally on the island to die. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's kind of start with that and I'll I'll tell everyone a little bit more about the history of this place and also that there are is more than one St. Helena, Helena Island. So we found out when we started researching because I'm going, this isn't in Africa. This is in Southern California, Carolina. And there's I'm also really one in Australia that yes, belongs to Australia. Of Queensland. Going, which one am I doing? <laughs> so I'm I think sorry we'll have to do that. the Queensland one. Then the, actually the South Carolina one yes, too. Yes. They all look good. There will be three episodes of St. Helena and well, everyone will be going, what? Which one? <laughs> but this St. Helena 
is of volcanic <coughs> origin. It's actually a volcano. Let's or, live on a vo- volcano, or people. Two volcanoes. It's actually made up of two volcanoes that form the rock that makes up the island today. And the island, when you look at it, and I encourage people to take a look at photographs of the island, is quite. Bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah. You have one part of it that is lush and green and the other part that looks like someone's just driven a a backhoe through the middle of it. And there are these two ridges and then this little township. A little valley. In the middle. It's just nuts. Yeah, so it rises from a depth of three miles or five kilometres from the ocean floor to the surface of the sea, and it is some 47 square miles or 122 square kilometres in size, so it's not very big. Mm. The highest peaks are a bit over 2,500 feet or 800 metres high. And the volcanic activity that created this island ceased about 7 million years ago. So there has been a lot of erosion since. Now, some of that is due to the fact that it sits in the middle of the ocean and you have um, wind and rain and the sea. Salt you know, spray, ta- orbs. Yeah, taking <laughs> taking it away. The orbs are eating the mountains. <laughs> But some of it is also because of the animals that were left on the island with the ships coming in oh. that ravaged the, the plant life yes. and the flora and the fauna and everything. So, yes. Yes, there were some big mistakes made before they realised what uh, animals and wildlife from other countries can do to the ecosystem of that country. Yeah. Well, not important, was it? No. Well, they didn't no. think that far ahead. So, as I mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago, the inland of this island is 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 lush and it's green and you know it's very very tropical but on the coast it's like it's just been ripped away and you're just seeing these craggy hills and um then sort of the the capital and the main settlement of the island they're very pointy boobies yes (laughs) if you wish to say it that way okay so the island was first discovered by the Portuguese around 1502. Oh, I like a good Portuguese tart. Who <laughs> know? Uh, and they're not quite sure of how the island got its name, uh, other than saying that possibly it was because of the Saints' Day of St. Helena of Constantinople, and they call the island after St. Helena. Anyway, the Portuguese found that this was a, a pretty lush uh, place back then with very fertile soils and there were no people living on the island it was inhospitable it was yeah it was it was two giant boobies in the ocean <laughs> oh lord there was no one living there so they used it as a stop off spot uh, a place where they could actually take all the fresh fruit that was growing on the trees to try and stop scurvy mm-hmm. en route um, through Asia and Southeast Africa. And really the only thing they built um, to kind of say, well, we're here, is a chapel, which they built of in, course. The, in the valley. We could have a church. Where Jamestown Before now. we have a hospital now. or a produce store, <laughs> yeah, get a church. Feed the but, soul before you feed the humans. But at that point, there wasn't even a settlement. They didn't even create a settlement. They just put a church there. I mean, who does that? 
Or the Portuguese. It's a bit like taking a dump on your spot to say, this is mine. I've I've built a church. This is mine. So there was the occasional odd person that was stranded or left on the island for punishment. um, And they actually became the first exiles. They weren't the only first things left there. Like I said, the Portuguese also left their goats, their pigs and their chickens. And I think the thought was that if they leave those animals there to roam, um, free, they will come back finding more because they will reproduce on the island. There's enough food for them there. They don't have to feed them. And it's like coals. Or yeah, supermarket, or thought Tesco, more like farm. Those farm apps where you you plant things and you leave them there and they grow and you multiply and you sell things and just it's just like an app. Yeah, what what an interesting idea. Yeah, did it work? Um, it did for a while. It yeah. did for a while, except um, then the, somebody left a fox there. No rats. Oh, rats. Yeah, rats. Rats kind of didn't make it very nice. Um, but also because all of these animals multiplied so much, uh, they did destroy a lot of the flora. Yeah, um, that was there. Now, towards the end of the 16th century, the English kind of went. Oh, this might be a useful place, as oh. the English did oh, back I then. Like that, yes. two boobies in the mountain, and, of the sea. And they thought, okay, well, let's let's put our flag up on that. I love how you're stroking your chin yeah. while you're doing like, that, like a beard, like, <laughs> like, you know, like those pointy yeah, beards. I've the mine beards. In the last couple of days, um, my beard was growing. And because they, because the English sort of had their sights on the island, the Portuguese decided that they might not um, visit as often as they did because they didn't want to get into war with the English. And then the Dutch came on the scene and went, I don't know what the Dutch do. <laughs> what the hell was that? I have no idea. <laughs> that's, that's Swedish, isn't it? Yeah. That's a Swedish chef. Yeah. Sorry to all Dutch people. <laughs> and they thought they would put a claim on the island. Um, and look, I, I do have to tell everyone, this place is far away from anywhere. It's yeah. it's a long way to get yep, to. It's the middle of bum duck nowhere. Yeah. Now, in the second half of the 7th, 17th century, the British East India Company took over the island and they actually installed the first British governor on St Helena on the 5th of May 1659. They built a fort and they decided that they would settle the island and actually put people on there as a permanent thing. And in 1660, the settlement of Jamestown began. Um, And uh, because they had run out of names, I guess, or didn't really think that far through, they named the Valley James Valley and the Bay James Bay, um, all after the Duke of York, um, who later became King James II. Yeah, very very creative. Yeah, people. very very creative. Um, so that's that's sixteen sixty, right? The yep. Dutch then invaded the island to try and take it over because, geez, now there's a church and a settlement, so that makes it a little bit, you know, nicer. Mm-hmm. We'll just do that. They tried that in sixteen seventy nine, but oh, sixteen seventy two, sorry, but the Royal uh, Navy uh, throw threw them out and restored British rule. And the same year, the East India Company uh, was granted a new charter. And since then, St. Helena has been a British outpost. So it belongs to Can you Britain. get a nice cup of tea there? That's the only thing that really matters. Probably cu- I sounded like Claire then. Probably Can you get a nice cup of tea? Probably a cup of tea, <laughs> yes, because you have all of the Asian influences. Um, so Ooh, probably, some oolong? Probably some nice 
tea. So St. Helena was fortified and uh, it established itself really as a very important stopover for trading ships that were bound to and from Asia and Madagascar and East Africa. And of course, they didn't trade in just food and produce they traded in people and slow the slave slow so the slave trade um, really took on a completely different meaning and by the end of the 18th century half of the population on St Helena were slaves wow now Napoleon comes in Hello, Napoleon. And he was exiled to the island from 1815 to 1821. I like Napoleon's slices too. And they're delicious. Stop I've, just, I've just started on my diet. Can you tell? <laughs> and um, this actually, funnily enough, um, Napoleon was put there um, in exile as a prisoner, right, for bad deeds, for being a bad boy. A bad boy. But this actually boosted the economy of the island uh, because it brought people in to look after him and it was actually one of those things that became intriguing. And so the economy was really boosted by people visiting the island to see where Napoleon was, right, right? and all of that. Oh, look, it's Napoleon. But when he died, the economy declined again. Damn. Now, changes also came to the slave trade, uh, and the slave trade was ended within the British Empire in 1807, but slavery was not abolished till 1834. So there were still a few years when slaves were kind of being pushed and shoved from one place to another. And there were a lot of freed slaves that had nowhere to go. Um, And so the bright idea of the English was that they would put them on board vessels and take them to St. Helena, drop them there um, for 20 years, from 1840 to 1860. And they did so by their thousands, thousands. But the island's not that big. Well, we'll get to that. Let's hope they like fish. Uh, And so all of these slaves were pushed onto this island, Sounding very much like Norfolk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, many of but these... But it was convicts on Norfolk. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Many of these slaves were already um, at the brink of death. Mm-hmm. So they may have died on the way. Um, they may have been dropped over the side. Who mm-hmm. cares? Yeah, we don't need them. Um, they were free, but they were on an island that they could not get off. Yeah. So... They were we're, yeah. prisoners still. N- no freedom Yeah. There. Yeah. Do you know my dad told me about, because he used to be in the Navy, and he said that when he was at sea, he actually, they, they had to bury some people at sea. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's interesting, they are wrapped in a flag. I know I've squirreled, but it was just an interesting story he told me yesterday. Mm-hmm. They wrap them up in the flag. They put a weight at their feet, mm-hmm. some sort of lead, and the the flag is all stitched together, and the last stitch goes through their nose. They're dead. It doesn't matter. But you know, and he said, and then they, you know, with the ceremony and everything, they they put them over the the side foot first, so they just go straight down. Yeah, isn't yeah. that fascinating? Sorry. Yeah. Squirrel. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, you've lost your place now. Haven't no, you? my mind has just gone through the to nose. Sit, my mind oh, no. has gone to this body going down in the ocean with a hook the through their nose. <laughs> yeah, and just yeah, that's yeah. that's horrible. Yeah, well. Anyway, those still living uh, were. 
and be, and were brought to St Helena or were mostly housed in a place called Rupert's Bay. And then there was another area uh, known as Lemon Valley that was used as a quarantine station because a lot Ooh. of these slaves had contagious diseases. Uh, yeah, given to by the, yep. the, the slave masters, yeah. So get this number, 24,500 slaves were brought to St Helena in total and 5,000 of them died there. What? Yeah. If you do the maths on how big the island is, mm. that's a lot of people per mm. square inch. Yeah. Centimetre. Yeah. So most of them did move on, but there were a few hundred that stayed and they actually ended up being <coughs> part of that mixed generation mm-hmm. that kind of still exists within the island. A lot of the the saints. Um, well, it's the a cultural hotpot, really. Yeah. They call themselves saints. A lot of the saints still have that. that yeah, that I blood. love how they call themselves saints. Yeah, yeah. It's a completely different connotation in our vocab, but for them that just means the locals. Like we'd call ourselves Novocastrians living in Newcastle. Yeah. They call themselves the saints. Yeah. Now, St. Helena was a safe haven for these freed slaves, although they were really not free. Um, but there was one thing that also came with um, all these ships that were coming through and bringing resources with them, termites. And oh. termites actually ate almost the whole place. There was one, there was oh. one time when literally almost everything in Jamestown, the main Everything got area, riddled with it. Got riddled with it. So they had to... Yeah, and how do you stop them? Well, you can't. You've got to burn everything, I suppose, which that means you... Oh, no. So even now, they use steel girders for their buildings So they've still got issues with yeah, them. still got issues. So when this, the Suez Canal opened up in 1869, St. Helena really wasn't needed very much anymore yeah. because they were taking the, the, the quicker route. Um, but the, I, I prefer that route. these days too. <laughs> yeah. uh, the island came back into its, its own, really, uh, with more exiles as they were coming through. So there were the Zulu Wars. I'm pretending I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> there were the Zulu Wars and Chief Dini Zulu and oh, his Dini family, Zulu. Dini Zulu, was, uh, was banished there. And then during the Second <coughs> Anglo-Boer War of 1899-1902, there were thousands of captured Boers, um, as in yeah, prisoners people, of war. People, not, not um, pigs. Yeah, that were housed in large camps on the island. Now, World War One, World War Two, really didn't have too much of a bearing, um, but kind of the last of the exiles were uh, three Bahraini nationalists that became pretty cool political prisoners on the island in 1957 to 1961. The problem with the island is that it's a far way off uh, and only now things have changed because of um, the fact that there is an airstrip that um, has been built on the island. Yes, it's very new. Yes, which allows planes to land. Before that, it was literally um, vessels, ships that were going to and from, um, and that became few and far between the the less there was a need for that uh, to happen. So the islanders have become very, very self-sufficient. Very much like Norfolk Island. Yeah. And they would have to go without sometimes and uh, think of other ways to get around things. Absolutely. So I got all of those resources from a website called darktourism.com, which was quite interesting and um, gave me a a nice little sort of 
you know, a lot of information to tell about the island. Yep. Um, I want to just stop and talk about a couple of the houses that you may and, and sites that you may talk about about being haunted. Oh, that would be good. Yep. So um, there's a place called Plantation House mm-hmm. uh, and it's huge. It's got about 35 rooms and uh a library, and it was a place that we that was used by the governor to entertain guests. Um, it boasts the, the library is really interesting. It says that uh, the library was built by Governor Lowe in 1816 and boasts a total of 2,000 books. <gasps> Two, I've got that many in this room, oh, I think. Oh my goodness! <laughs> now, there is also Speaking of which another one arrived yesterday. High Knoll Fort. I ordered one yesterday yeah. as well. <laughs> Uh, mine arrived a bit later. It was about the Amateurville, but, you know, it's hands hold, so we've got to have it. Yes. Um, high Knoll Fault, f- Fort. Fort? High Knoll Holt. No. <laughs> what was it about in High Holt? High Knoll Fort. <laughs> Get down uh, off that ladder. It won't be so high. stands about 600 metres above sea level, and it's the largest, most prominent fort and mil- military installation on the island. It overlooks Jamestown, and um, it's, it's another one of those... Um, pictures that I that is very reminiscent in my mind uh, when I remember what it looks like because it does it's kind of got a little bit of a medieval feel about it which is quite interesting a lot of people that go to the island nowadays actually uh, go there to walk the island Mm -hmm. and to look at the fortifications that are there so um it was really important to fortify or build fortifications on the island because they did over the years uh, look at other countries coming in and trying to take the island over, uh, although it didn't really see a war or wasn't involved in wars. Um, it, it did have to have those structures in place. There were lots of guns and cannons installed just in case of raids, um, and it, it Kind of this particular piece of information uh, that I was looking at talks about uh, fortification mania, (laughs) which was around in Britain in 1860 and 1870, where they decided to put a fort everywhere. If in doubt, pop up a fort. Pop up a fort. That's mine. I'll put a fort there. Oh, that's my toilet. (laughs) Pop up a fort. (laughs) That's right. Oh, gosh. Um, So, yes. So... St. Helena being a small, such a small place, had so many fortified buildings. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, The Americans came in in 1970 and they uh, put up a satellite tracking station there. Um, The Royal Engineers came in and um, did a little bit of um, stuff. They did stuff. (laughs) There you go, people. We give you the best stuff here. If in doubt, we'll just say, oh, they did shit. I don't know what it was, but they did stuff and and, and things. They they did stuff with their satellites for the Army, Navy and Air Force. It's all secret. You can't repeat it, Renata. Um, We'll be in trouble. But the Islanders had a a real laugh at all of this because they're kind of going, what the hell? (laughs) What are you you trying to do? There's nothing here. We're in the middle of bum duck nowhere. (laughs) You don't want to know. So they... they they wrote, um, they were busily engaged in tracking satellites, rabbits, and anything else that moves. 
some of the local women, no doubt, too. Uh, uh, but they are being very secretive about their success rates. So on I told all you. They've got so top secret, you can't talk about it. <laughs> I know. You know, we're going to have them tapping our phone lines out. Oh, wait, we don't have phone lines anymore, do we? <laughs> now, there was also, um, and this, this particular lady is probably one of the ghosts on the island, um, and it's Mrs. Clara George. Do you talk about her? I can't remember. All right. It, I did these notes like two weeks ago, so I can't remember. So Cl- Clara George uh, created a school, and it was later called the Ragged School. And uh, the Ragged School comes from uh, a time in England where they had ragged schools, and they oh, were yeah. for orphans. Yep. Yep. And I would have gone there yeah. if I wasn't adopted. Yeah. And these, this particular school was for children who were born into slavery or they had married former slaves uh, or, well, pe- people who had married former slaves and had children. So I have to clear that up. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and she began teaching the children in 1814. And uh, she really kind of brought all the, the kids together. And this is one of the main times when they really just had this, this structure where a school existed mm. and kids could get formal education. Um, she, there was an a established headmaster or a headmistress when she could no longer teach. Aww. And it said in 1818, the school is recorded as having 85 pupils. Oh, wow. 81 free blacks, four enslaved and no whites. Oh, really? That's really interesting. Yes. So many of Clara's pupils were young children who were being taught to read and write and also girls who were learning skills with their hands. Yeah, they weren't allowed to read and write. <laughs> such as, oh, such as, there are some really good skills you can learn with your hands, girls. <laughs> such as needlework and lace making. Oh, no, not those skills. Let me clear that up. <laughs> um, she charged 45p per child per quarter, but nearly half of the number, which consisted of 80, um, she instructed for free. Oh, yeah. she's a saint. Yeah. She also, they also had um, one exam per year. Um, and, oh, and this, when you fret, yeah, this, oh, it's the one exam. Oh, my God, what if I fail? This, this allowed the kids to get off the island yeah. because they had schooling. They needed education yeah, to go so, out in the other horrible world. Yeah, yeah. Um, The school closed in 1887. Clara herself died in 1859. And then there was a prison built on the site in 1827. Um, No. I had a mention of the Pilling School. Oh, the Pilling School. Yes. Mm. Anyway. Okay. So, yeah, there there was a prison built on that site or around that site in 1827, which would have been quite interesting for the, the kiddies that were close by mm-hmm. um, to see what was going on there. Uh, it wasn't somewhere where um, you could kind of, um, you know, I, I literally think it was a place with a door and a lock more yeah. than anything else. Yeah. That, that was about as you know great as the prison was. Um, you had Government House, which you might also talk about. And all of these places are haunted. Yeah. Every single place on the island is haunted. The amount of ghost stories for this small island. It's, it's nuts. It's astounding. Yeah, it's nuts. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, um, talking about the prison, I want to go to um, something that um, I found in an article um, in a French newspaper, which talks ab- la la. about the amount of slaves that mm-hmm. were there mm-hmm. on the island. So the only pointer of what lies inside the stone storehouse within the grounds of the prison is a printed note pasted on an old grey door. This is to mark the temporary resting place of 325 liberated African slaves brought to St Helena against their will. They now wait in this room for their final resting place. Candles and a bouquet of wilting white arum lilies sit in front of the wooden door on the remote British island of St Helena. Nine years ago, the skeletons of the former slaves were discovered during the construction of the island's first airport. Since then, the remains have been kept in cardboard boxes in the prison storehouse. Every Sunday, Anita Van Neel Hayes, 30, an environmentalist born in Namibia, Namibia, plays homage to the forgotten dead by laying flowers in front of the padlock door. It was she and her friends who put up the epitaph. 
Since 10 years later, nothing has been done. Uh, it has never been a priority of St Helena's government. After abolishing its slave trade in 1807, Britain intercepted mainly Portuguese slave ships sailing near St Helena, which lay on the notorious slave trading route. The island's leather-bound archives reveal horrendous details of events nearly 180 years ago. Um, now, on December 1840, 245 slaves were carried... In 1841, 308 slaves in good health and 106 slaves were carried onto the island. Again, as I said before, over 25,000 slaves were freed and released on St. Helena. And we use freed in inverted commas. Yeah. And many died of dysentery and smallpox. Wow. An estimated 8,000 are buried in Rupert's Valley on the north of the island. And... Um, this is where a road was built several years ago for the construction of the island's first airport. And so this is when bulldozers started to tear through the earth and they stumbled oh, no. on human bones. <gasps> it was the remains of 325 people, most of them in mass graves, mainly children with an average age of 12. What? How? How does that even happen? Yep. Are they the slaves? Well, yeah. they don't know. Yes. Rupert is littered with remains of that period uh, and there were only two known graveyards and the rest are unmarked. Oh. No yeah. wonder the island's haunted. Yeah. Now, Alonzo Henry, um, who is a, um, a, a saint, he, he says, my father told me stories about chains and slaves. We used to get a lot of power cuts and people used to say it was because the power station had been built on the graves. Um, and his aunt, Deborah Fowler, remembers finding bones when they were looking for food for goats. As kids, we were thought they were animal bones. Oh, no. Yep. Um, when we were growing up, we were told about Napoleon, who died in exile on the island, and the Boers, the war Do you prisoners. Know that Napoleon, they always um, paint him as very short. Mm -hmm. In actual fact, he wasn't. But it was a ploy of his enemies or the British to paint him as a short, dumpy man yeah. so that he looked like um, a, a cartoon character more than the man he was. Oh, Isn't that interesting? Wow. Well, Napoleon died on the island, mm -hmm. but um, he wasn't buried there. They just built a tomb and they took his body back to, to France. Um, they are, I think, finally maybe doing something with the bones. I haven't heard anything. Um, You've got them on a, in a box under someone's yeah, bed at the yeah, moment. at yeah. the moment. And yeah. they're still waiting for stuff to be done, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I, I will finish that, but finish there. But there are a lot of people on the island that don't want this history to not be talked about. They want... They want it out there. They want it out there and they want something done mm. for um, the, the spirits that are on the island to finally give them a resting place. And when uh, you first mentioned this island, I, I went researching to see what I could find. And I was watching a documentary on our ABC, which is our um, uh, cultural station here in Australia. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about the airport coming and um, how it was going to change their lives. And you can only get there by boat. And But they also talked about the culture of the place where women uh, and girls were systematically abused. Mm. 
it was really bad mm. uh, because that's they didn't know any different really. Mm-hmm. So um, it was sort of accepted, and there was a lot of traumatized women mm. and children on the island. Yeah, yeah. But things are changing. Yes, which is awesome. Yep. But boy. I've got a bucket load of ghost stories and I'm going to be very upfront and tell you right from the start that my information is coming from St. Helena Island dot info ghost stories. Yes. Yes. Now Renata sent me this. It's the only real history of the island which they say. And I found that they also have a Facebook page Mm -hmm. and they are putting up things all the time saying does anyone have ghost stories on the island? I want to hear your stories. And all the locals are jumping on there Mm -hmm. and putting up their ghost stories. Mm -hmm. So support their Facebook page. Get over there. St. Helena's Island. I will Helena Island. I will find the uh, exact name of it and and let you know. Um, but let me get into some of the ghost stories. So I'm going to go right back to the 16th century. Oh, we like going back to the 16th century. And we can prove it's real or not real from the, the stories back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, once again, we're talking about the, the slaves that were there. And apparently there was um, this place called Sandy Bay. Now, isn't there somewhere on Norfolk called Sandy Bay? Mm-hmm. Or No, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, they had a cave that was there and what happened is some of the enslaved would run away and they would hide in the cave now troops were always sent out to try and capture them and bring them back and the soldiers used to climb this place called Lot um, and would try to see over the edge to see if they could see these slaves so sometimes they would throw uh, stones on their pursuers the the, the slaves would be mm-hmm. throwing stones uh, to try and stop them coming up and finding them in their cave. One of the soldiers was sent to climb up the back of Lot and in each, uh, sorry, and reach a ledge above where the enslaved stood. Once there, he hurled down a large rock that killed one of the enslaved and severely wounded the other, who was immediately recaptured and uh, probably was executed because of that. The story goes that since that day, the ghost of the enslaved that was killed haunts the spot where he was brutally murdered. Apparently, he takes night strolls around the base of Lot. Mm-hmm. So there's our first one. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we've got some more here. Hang on. You mentioned the High Knoll. Yes, the right? High Knoll. Oh, there we go. So High Knoll Fort, mm-hmm. not a High Hole Fort. Uh, once again, we're going uh, on to the slave era. I suppose there is so much trauma associated with this. It's no wonder that we have uh, some of the ghosts there. Yeah. Um, it is claimed that nighttime visitors to High Knoll Fort sometimes see a figure described as a black slave being brutally murdered whilst his owner's daughter is forced to watch. Oh. So this is mm. a ghost report mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of, of this person being tortured and a, a girl watching. That's that's really bizarre. It seems there's no way to know uh, on what night this mysterious apparition will show itself, but people go up there now, of course, trying to to catch sight of it. Now, you mentioned the school, mm-hmm. but as I said, I had one for Pilling School, mm-hmm. P-I-L-L-I-N-G. During the 20th century, a young girl had had an accident in the area of the school in Jamestown, um, which was at the time the military barracks. While skipping down the road, 
she somehow or other fell over and died. Uh, in recent years, a local resident has been saying that early one morning she was in bed and heard a sound as if someone was skipping out outside down the street, looked out, couldn't see anyone. She then heard what sounded like a thump as if somebody had fallen over, followed by some moaning, someone in pain, which grew fainter and then ceased. Mm. So it could so, be residual yeah, sort of... lots of residual hauntings here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, some of the students at the school have also reported seeing a woman in white who was initially taken as the new teacher. They thought it was the new teacher coming in, but then they vanished. Oh. Oh, no, that's That'd not the scary. new teacher. <laughs> in 2006, so this is like, that's fairly recent, mm-hmm. um, a student at school uh, and a keen footballer sadly died by falling off the cliffs at the Ladder Hill fort while attempting to retrieve a football and once again they're not going to have great hospitals um it would just be the basics yeah. that they had there uh so sometimes after that the uh children and teacher at the school reported seeing the child playing football in the school playground generating sufficient concern that the bishop of saint helena was called in to exorcise the school oh dear so yeah. they've seen this this student, and this again is 2006. Yeah, and if you kind of consider the um, heritage of a lot of these people, they would still be very superstitious. Incredibly, I actually became that fascinated by um, some of their superstitions that I'm going to report on some of those as well. Oh, cool! I I had to do it mm-hmm. because it, it just it shows. Um, the mindset of the people. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with them. I'm mm-hmm. not saying there's anything less about them, just the culture yeah. on the island because it's important. Yeah. Knowing the culture of the island or the location that you're investigating will give you an idea on how to treat the investigation and yeah. what eyes to look through. Um, all right. And there's a rather sad story here about someone called Molly. Um, A story is told that Free Molly, that's what they call her, Free Molly, can be seen at night uh, strolling the streets near the Pilling School in Jamestown. It's said that she was a young woman that was imprisoned by her father and she was not allowed out of the house. She wasn't allowed to um, meet people. She wasn't allowed human contact apart from her immediate family. So to me, that is sounding very much like an abusive situation. Mm. Um, she was often seen at the window, or maybe there was something wrong with her, and mm. they didn't want it. No, because people were like that. Mm. They they didn't want disabled children or family members to be seen because mm-hmm. it made they felt like they were less, and mm. that's ridiculous. But this is the culture of the island. Um, she was often seen looking out the window at all the children playing, and obviously wishing that she was out there and could be free like them as well. Um, she died in her early 20s, and some say it was from suicide. Don't know that, but that's the, the local yeah. gossip. Yep. Uh, it said that her ghost walks at night, enjoying the freedom that she was never permitted in life. Oh, that's sad. It is sad. Now, you also mentioned the quarantine station. Yes. Um, yes. So the building is currently Kinghurst Community Centre. 
and later became an isolation centre for people suffering from communicable diseases. Yes. Um, it's near the Plantation House and St. Paul's Cathedral. Oh, it's a cathedral well, It's a now. cathedral. It's not oh, just a church. A it's chapel. a cathedral. Mm-hmm. Now, several ghosts are said to haunt the place, but one is most commonly mentioned, a young girl who died in the isolation centre of tuberculosis and can be seen at night walking through the building. So, again, a lot of things are happening at night time yeah you wonder if they are there during the day it's just people aren't aware so much because they think it's a real person yeah yeah our next story comes from the police yeah must be true oh it must be true well i mean this is an interesting one Mm -hmm. uh the island's police tell a sort of strange story about somebody that was on duty in Jamestown, and he had a yachty. So it's someone who obviously owns a yacht. Mm-hmm. And um, they said, can you accompany back to the hotel? They'd been on the piss. Um, they'd had a few many, too many, and um, he apparently tried to get back into the hotel, but it was all locked up tight. Couldn't make anyone hear him to get back in. So he said to the police, you know, I, I need to get back in and go to bed. So mm-hmm. can you help me? So the constable accompanied them back. They knocked loudly on the door. It was promptly opened by the owner. Don't know what the issue was. Who let the guest in. Um, but the uh, strange thing about it is when the policeman got back to the hotel, back to the police station, he found out that the man who had let him in, the owner of the hotel, had died two hours beforehand. Oh. oh I got goosebumps Ooh. on that. I like stories that give you goosebumps. Um, now, what else have I got here? Let's see what you want to hear about. We've got Bishop Welby, the Phantom Ship. Oh, um, ship. A Phantom Ship. Do you want to hear about the Phantom Ship? Yes. All right. Let me get to that one. Various island fishermen have reported encountering a mysterious vessel out at sea whilst fishing. Always described as a huge sailing ship, mm-hmm. usually brightly lit, but occasionally... Black, dark, no lights. Uh, it normally blocks a fisherman's path, their intended path, for, forcing them to change course. After repeated blockings, they gave up and they returned to their moorings. It's interesting, isn't it? It's also sometimes reported as being seen approaching Jamestown from the eastern side of the island before disappearing. Some say uh, the ship seen is, in fact... The Flying Dutchman. Dutchman, yes. Uh, unlike the legend associated with the Flying Dutchman, no harm seems to befall those who encounter it. Uh, it's been reported as recently as the 1950s. Another fisherman, that's 1950s. Mm. It's recent for some people. <laughs> that was before I was born. Uh, another fisherman's tale describes a fishing boat rowed out of a cave near, I love this name, Egg Island. Egg Island. <laughs> I wonder, wonder what they found there. Um, uh, by six headless oarsmen. Six headless oarsmen. Oh, that's just but creepy. But there's no historical reference for that story. I reckon that's somebody who's been had a few too many beers and just made stuff up. That one, six headless oarsmen. All right, I'm going to go back to Bishop Welby because we can't leave out Bishop Welby. No. Now, some of these are from the newspaper as well, this person who uh, from this website, and they've done such an amazing job. Thank you for collecting these stories, the person who did St. Helena's Island. Um, they're absolutely gorgeous. Uh, this one is about an Anglican bishop 
by the name of Bishop Welby. Uh, on the 6th of January, 1899, he was killed on Shy Road in Jamestown. I think it's the only town on the island, isn't it? Uh, in a pony and trap accident. So that's a horse and cart, basically. Okay. Uh, now, it said that his ghost is said to haunt that particular road. Now, the ex- the actual accident was the horse shying, ran out of control, throwing the bishop off the edge. I know about going off the edge at the moment. Um, and there is a persistent story about a ghostly horseman sometimes claimed to be headless to ride at night on Shy Road. Is it the headless horseman that made the horse shy and bolt? Or is this now... The bishop. The bishop. Some say that the headless horseman is dressed as a bishop, um, but they're also saying that that may be how that particular road got the name Shy Road because the horse shied. Mm. Yeah, they're good on names there. Mm. I'm going to do one on the Phantoms of West Lodge. Now, this is in the Blue Hill District. I wonder mm-hmm. if each hill has a different colour. It could. Um, on the ridge above Blue Hill Village. This story is well known. Uh, A 19th century sailor described an apparition uh, that he witnessed while staying at the West Lodge. So this is his quote. Mm -hmm. Figures were there, figures in the dress of the earlier part of this century. In the entire, sorry, in the centre stood bound and tall, well-formed Mulatto, M-U-L-A-T-T-O, mm-hmm. Mulatto, his naked back standing out almost white in the moonlight. By him was a white man wielding a terrible-looking lash. Stroke followed stroke, but no sound broke the stillness. The Mulatto was impassive as a statue, though I could see the great wheels cross and recross till the blood spurted out in jets. A moan turned my spellbound eyes to a group standing in the shadow. Dimly revealed in the obscurity were an elderly man, a gentleman, supporting a fainting girl and evidently forcing her to watch the torture. At length the mulatto tottered and fell and was lashed as he lay on the ground. A groan followed and his executioner turned him over. His eyes were glazed and staring. His jaw dropped. Everything to me seemed reeling. I caught a post and fell, fainting. Wow. Now, that makes me think that this sailor, whoever's witnessed this apparition, and that's a pretty detailed apparition, is... Um, seeing a uh, what they call it the repetition of an event mm-hmm. um, what is that word Renata we talk about it all the time where a piece of history just gets triggered and replays at that exact moment Yeah, it will come back to me eventually mm-hmm. my brain doesn't want to work right now um, and he, he might have psychic ability or uh, some sort of ability to see that residual, mm-hmm. residual. Mm-hmm. Um, either that or he's had way too much rum. I don't know. He could be pissed as a newt. Who knows? But the story behind this vision is that an enslaved man and the daughter of an overseer fell in love, but upon discovery of their relationship, the overseer beat the man to death at West Lodge in front of his daughter, 
just as seen by our watching sailor. Yeah. And then she probably would have been beaten as well because, I mean, if if her womanhood had been taken away from her, that was it. Yeah. That that woman was not sellable, even even as a free white woman. Yeah, um, she had to marry. She was stained. She was stained. Yeah, <sighs> and uh, the sailor finished off by saying, "I would not spend another night alone in West Lodge for all the wealth of the Indies." Mm. But don't you think that sounds very similar to the High Knoll mm-hmm. execution about mm-hmm. the uh, yes. the figure that they saw? Yep. Um, it makes you wonder. Everything gets jumbled up. There are so many stories here. I'm not going to do all of them because I'm going to let you guys, if you want to go and have a look at that website, St. Helena Island, and you can um, have a look at some more of the stories there. But um, I, I like this one. This is Bertrand's Cottage. A lady in black is said to climb the stairs at Bertrand's Cottage, and some say it is the ghost of Madame Fanny Bertrand, wife of General Henry Gatien Bertrand, one of Napoleon's most loyal companions during his exile here. Madame Bertrand didn't die there, but the explanation offered is that she is in her mourning clothes after Napoleon died. It seems Fanny Bertrand hated St. Helena's, and this is her words... The devil shat this rock when he passed from one rock to the next. I had to finish that. I love that. The devil devil shat this rock when he passed from one world to the next, she was supposed to have said. Uh, And it's sort of a bit funny that the poor thing is now trapped there forever. She is there on those stairs. That would be awful. But look, there's stories about horses and carriages, ferrymen, um, babies crying, um, there's also the the Phantoms of West Lodge and um, so much more there for you to discover. But what really fascinated me, as I said before, was the superstitions. So let me tell you about a couple more little superstitions that they have there. Now, if you visit the wharf, you will notice that if a car comes from Jamestown to drop someone off at the wharf... It will always continue down to the wharf before turning around to come home. Now, it's not necessary to do so. There's not like a roadblock or Mm -hmm, no mm -hmm. room to turn. Mm -hmm. It's just that this is the superstition that you must do that because you will have bad luck if you don't go all the way to the seaside, stop, then return and resume your journey. Um, Exactly what they suffered They don't really say, but nobody's willing to take the risk. Okay. So they all drive down to the very end and come back. Um, I do like their little side note that they popped there that said that this superstition may have been started by the petrol station. (laughs) (laughs) They've obviously got a wicked sense of humour. They do. do like that. They do. They do. All right, so now this one is entitled Don't Salvage Stones. It is sometimes reported that an ancient ruin is seen at night to be on fire, but when approaching, no fire is present. And there is an interesting coloroid to this story, corollary to this story. Uh, It is also said that if you take stones from the ruin to build your house, your home will itself exhibit the appearance of being on fire. Oh. Yeah. Now, again, they've got a little side note mm-hmm. that they think that historians may have started this to stop people 
Brits taking the stones from old buildings and rebuilding their houses. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, right. Moderately superstitious on Friday the 13th. And there was a whole article where they listed all the things that had happened on Friday the 13th that made it proof that Friday the 13th was a bad day. But for me, how many bad things happened on other days that they never did an account for? It's just because it's Friday the 13th, you're aware it's Friday the 13th, so you're looking for the bad things to happen. Yep. Right, other superstitions. Saints will not pass one another on the stairs. If you start up or down while a saint is coming the other way, they will usually reverse to let you climb or descend alone. Okay. And why is that? No idea. Oh, no idea. No okay. idea. Um that if you see a gecko lizard appearing in the daytime, it'll be a lucky day for you. Oh, nice. Like that one. Uh, now, we'll go on to graveyards. No saint will willingly enter a graveyard after dark and peculiarly, pe- peculiarly, this is extended to Napoleon's tomb, even though the tomb is empty. He was taken back to France in mm-hmm. the 1840s, but they just won't go there. Oh, and I, I did find the Facebook page for you. It's the Ghost Stories of St. Helena's Island. Um, so make sure you go and check that out as well. Do I have another one? I'm going to finish up now with the Gilly Gilly. Oh, oh. Isn't that from Harry Potter, the Gilly Gilly Weed? Possibly. Um, where does she get J.K. Rowling gets her inspiration oh, from everywhere yeah. but this is actually um, something that you perform uh, there are many people on the island who are supposedly able to perform the gilly gilly Oh, can't name names because you know can't do that uh, you'll always find there's someone who's related and you don't want to get in trouble it's a bit like uh, when we're at Maitland Jail we can't mention a certain person too much because we know there's still relatives around Yes, we don't want to get murdered Uh <laughs> they say, they say. I remember a lady. Let's call her A. Lived in the area of the dungeon. Ooh, uh, who often visited a supposed good friend of B in Alarm Forest. And did C. <laughs> she always turned up in time for lunch, and apparently before leaving, she'd always ask for something treasured and special. Uh-huh. So not only were they turning up for a free lunch, uh-huh. they were taking freebies. Gifts home, yes. Now, B had apparently uh, been told that if A asked for anything, she was to give it or she'd never be in possession of it again. One day, A asked B, I feel like I'm doing maths, for the biggest hen in the hen house. Oh, God, my best laying hen can't part with her, B thought. This is, uh, this time I've really got to say no. So she said no. A apparently uh, stared strongly at her, and said a peculiar goodbye. <laughs> Two hours later, B found her precious hen <gasps> sprawled on the floor of the pen, dead. Oh, no. 
I have That's heard terrible. some hair-raising stuff and the people we got told who were able to perform the Gilly Gilly or the Evil Eye uh-huh. had a strange aura about them, even a strange smell. <laughs> and hair stand on end at the sight of these particular people. Oh, yeah. Well, you behave yourself, Renata, or I'm going to perform the Gilly Gilly on you. <laughs> the Gilly Gilly, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but look, that, that sort of brings me to the end of my bits and pieces and look this is more of a fun episode than rather than pulling things to pieces um but it's it's a great little island i had no idea it even existed yes and um the ghost tours there are big yeah yeah people they they're really trying they to even push have that. like a paranormal um day or something yes. there yeah yeah, yeah. They're, they're really into it and now that it's sort of opening up for tourism more uh, i think it's a way for these people to really uh, reinterpret their history yeah and tell it in a different way um and bring some of these sites back to life so i think they're doing marvelously well congratulations to the saints on saint helena and thank you for sharing all of your ghost stories i hope you don't mind that i have read so many of them out tonight to share with our audience but we really um encourage people to go to their Facebook page and, and like their page and um, and let them know they're doing a great job. Now, Renata, comes down to it now. Ooh. Is it a true haunting and would you go? I would go. Would oh, you? Now, I, it's, now you don't have to go on a ship? Yeah, I'd, I'd go. I don't know how long I'd stay, but I'd go. Yeah. And I'd go to all of those haunted sites because I think they would be awesome. Yeah. I don't think we'd have to take a bag full of food with us just in case they ran out on the island. Um, I know on Norfolk they ran out of um, normal milk and we had to have skim milk. Mm. (laughs) Oh, we do love Norfolk. Hi, Liz, and to all the team over there. Um, But, yeah, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed our little foray into off the coast of Africa. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Renata, for finding this one. You're welcome. And uh, we'll hopefully get this out to you for this coming week. So we're recording this on Tuesday. It comes out Friday. Thank you, Bonnie, for putting this all together. We love you all. If you want to support our work, please head over to Patreon. Look up Anne and Renata, Frightfully Good, and become one of our grand poobars so we can get you in our little private club and have a bit of fun there. Yes, please. And in the meantime, I want you all to be frightfully good. Stay spooky. And we'll see you on the dark side. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.